Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Megan. And this is Cinema Super Collider. Where we're smashing up cinema one movie at a time. Greetings, my friends. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here, my friend. Can your heart stand the shocking fact about cinema, This episode of Cinema Super Collider, we have a B-Fest spectacular. That's right. B-Fest was this past weekend at Northwestern University. For those of you who don't know what B-Fest is, it is a 24-hour bad movie marathon that is run by one of the student organizations at Northwestern. It's been going on for, I believe, over 25 years. I think it might actually be more like 35 years at this point. We used to go. We Quite used often. to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, we used to go. We used to stay for the whole weekend. Eric would basically challenge himself to stay up throughout the night, just like when he was working in the hospitals. Yeah, it was a challenge, uh-huh. oftentimes. I slept most of the time throughout the night, <laughs> as much as I could. Well, at, the, at midnight, they would always show The Wizard of Speed and Time, which is a short film, and then they would run it backwards, and then they would show... Plan 9 from Outer Space. Plan 9. Right. That's that's the traditional midnight showing. And we would all bring paper plates and we'd wing them around at each other. And- oh, and that was the fun time. Right. And mm-hmm. then as soon as that was over, then it would go on from one thirty a.m. until 5 o'clock the next day, Saturday. And the time between one thirty a.m. and like 9.30 a.m. when they opened the, the student union so that you could buy coffee and stuff, those were some dark hours. That's that's the death slog. That's oh when the God. Blaxploitation movies and the Andy Hardy movies. Oh, Andy gar- Hardy was one of the worst. The Garbage Pail Kids movies. Oh, the Garbage Pail Kids. Did we do that on the show? No, we did not. Oh, good. We're not going to do that on the show. He says... But we might do it on the show at some point. Well, the one reason we didn't go this year is because so many of the films they were showing are movies we either did for the show or have seen many times or both. Mostly they're they're movies that we've done for the show, some of which have not been reposted yet. They're part of our classic episode catalog, and they'll be coming soon. Cavalcade of of B-Fest movies. Right, but there are a few movies that we have done that there are episodes available for that they showed at B-Fest this year. Uh, Among them, The Apple which is a delightful uh, musical. It's a parable. Musical. Yeah, it's a, it, it has music in it and things happen. Right. Yeah, it's a, a allegory of the Bible. Yes, sort of, sort kind of. of, kind of. Uh, we did Stunt Rock uh, a couple of months ago, which is a basically it's it's a demo reel for a stunt guy from Australia, but they made it into a movie. Some cool stunts, and there's a, a wizard who's a, a... There's there's a wizard battle. A wizard battle. On stage. A, a wizard rock, rock band. It's the best part of the whole thing, is the wizard battle on stage. Yes, but there were a couple movies that they ran this year that we haven't seen or done before. And so, in the spirit of celebrating B-Fest in our own special way, where we don't have to stay up all night, and our knees that are old don't hurt from the Norse Student Center seats... It's a fairly, it's a, it's a cozy auditorium for what, about 200 people fit in there? Eh, something like that. Something like that. And the thing is, it's, it's meant to be sat in as a lecture hall for about an hour to two hours, maybe for a lecture or maybe to take a test, you know, but it's, it, the, those seats are not really good for spending 24 hours. Look, y'all, I went to Northwestern as an undergrad. I graduated in 1997. So, Norris has not updated this venue since I was a student there. Well, we weren't there this year. Maybe no, we, we might have no, they, updated it. No, they did not. I'm sure that they did not. I'm sure they didn't they either. Did not I'm do just that. saying, we don't know for sure. No, not, not a, and yeah, I'm pretty sure no way. Yeah. none of the seats in there have been like fixed or upgraded since I was a student there. And when I was a student there, it was old and fucked up, too. 
Yeah, it has those little buttons to uh, uh, on the seats to 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 answer questions, right? Doesn't it have those? No. No. What am I remembering then? Something at U of I, I'm sure. Oh, must have been from U of I. Yeah, or de- Northeastern it's maybe. It's definitely not in Norris. Oh, okay. Nope. Mm-mm. Well, so we're going to cover two of the movies that they did there this year. So what are we doing, Eric? Well, there's a movie called Hard Rock Zombies from 1985. Okay. And? Which is a comedy horror film. And then the other one is Wonder Women. Not Wonder Woman. No. But Wonder Women. Plural. A, a Ross Hagen movie from 1973 oh. which is a super spy kind of uh army of sexy ladies uh science fiction thriller i feel like it's maybe a little james bond-esque yeah it's kind of an action it? sci-fi thriller sort of thing sure with uh, with uh sid haig in it and and uh, uh yeah uh, sid haig is my nancy kwan sid haig's my favorite part of that movie just because yeah. he's just like he's just he's just, he's just sid, there he's just so sid haig yeah you put that's a, he's one of these guys you put him in your movie and your movie is automatically somewhat better because it's got sid haig in it sure he's always some sort of a dirtbag or other but you know he he adds to, adds something to your film i'm used to him being a heavy in like a sort of brutal thuggish way he is he's, not yeah he's been in so many he's not a movies he's, i've seen i mean he's still he's a heavy he's he's kind of a i don't think i've ever seen him play a good guy no why i don't know you, i haven't looked at his imdb page I'm, maybe he had a few good guy roles but why he was you, always such a why a, would you cast him to be a, a good person well he's just a skeevy guy i think how would most people know him from the rob zombie movies i think at the, in this day like and age the devil's rejects yeah. and and he's uh, captain ca- not captain, captain howdy, howdy. Yeah. yeah captain howdy mm-hmm. um I, I think for modern audiences, that's probably the best point of reference. Yeah. But he was in some, I mean, he was in a ton of movies in the 70s and 80s, like we said, as kind of a dirtbag scumbag. Yeah. Exploitation films for the most part. Well, and the, and the one that some people might be familiar with because it was part of the recent MST3K, like season of, of right. films the, was the ones that was on the gizmoplex, right. not the ones that were on Netflix. Right. Uh, the movie that he's in, on the Gizmoplex ones is called Beyond Atlantis, which I believe is from the mid to late seventies. Yes, and it also stars one of the people who is like the uh, the the jitney driver or whatever from uh, from this movie. Oh, pa- uh, La Poo La Poo La Poo La Poo. Yeah, that's right. I always want to, I always want to call him Pula Pula, but it's La Poo La Poo. It's La Poo La Poo. If you say favorite. it backwards, it's Pula Pula. There you go. Anyway, so we got two movies to talk about today. Should we do Hard Rock Zombies first? Let's because do, that's the a, one we saw first. Which is the one we saw first since also it was the very first movie of the B-Fest lineup this year. And it's pretty straightforward as far as what goes on in this movie. Uh, because... Is it? Yes, I think it is. Because the actual movie was not supposed to be a full-length feature film. It was supposed to be a 20-minute sort of proof-of-concept filler thing for another movie that was called American Drive-In. The the movie that is Hard Rock Zombies was supposed to be the movie that was playing on the drive-in movie screen in that film. So they only needed like 20 minutes of it so they had footage. Okay, so it was sort of like, it was going to be like an American graffiti type of movie, except it was going to take place at the drive-in. Like, it was going to show kids at the drive-in and all the wacky things they get into. No, I I have no idea what the movie is about, other than it is the American, it's called American Drive-In. You can make up that movie if you want with American graffiti. That's the the story I'm making up. Well, who knows? It It came out the year after this film was released. Uh, they decided, because they were already making a movie, that if they just threw a couple thousand dollars more at it and just had some more filler in it, that they could then have two feature-length films rather than a feature-length film and this like short film project to throw up on the, the drive-in movie screen. And it's very obvious that they only had 20 minutes of a film planned because this movie is mostly just music videos. Well, it's kind of in... 
two halves because it's you well, think, right? Because I, I was watch, watching the movie and we were like, "Oh, we're watching this story." So it's like a heavy metal band or like a hard rock, like hair metal band from the eighties. They're sort is, of kiss like. I feel like. sort of kiss like, and they're going to like do a, a big show or something, and they get turned into zombies, and uh, then they they take revenge. And then there's like another whole second half of a movie that involves like the like Hitler and that was in the original and, film. And he, well, he was yeah, he was sort of in the first half, but it seems like the second half was more about that. Well, since you think this movie's fairly, I think, straightforward, I think it's fairly straightforward, I will ask you to to describe this one. All right, and, and then I'll take a crack at Wonder Women later. Okay, so the the band in question is called Holy Moses, and they are. They are a regional originals rock band at best. They travel around in a van with their manager, who's also their tech guy, their sound tech guy. And we see them sing several songs throughout the film, uh, all of which are given like full music video treatment. Like every time they start singing a song, you know, two to five minutes of that movie is just going to be music video of them dancing around on stage and like various fog machines and yeah, eventually the trailer for this movie is just one of those songs right basically the whole trailer is just that right so they they're on their way to play a very important show in bumblefuck wherever because that's where you play your very important shows for a record executive I think it's like rural California. Yeah, somewhere. yeah. It, everything takes place in California. So, okay, Bumblefuck, California. Uh, <laughs> BFC. BFC. So they they get there, and upon showing up in this town, which they have been warned by an underage teenage girl not to come to, they are immediately met by a woman who is shown in the cold open as having murdered two men that she picks up as a hitchhiker. So we know that the bad things are afoot. And she's like, hey, you guys are a rock band. And they're like, yes. And, and she's like, you should come stay with my family. And they're like, sure, because then we don't have to pay for hotel rooms. So they go to stay with her family. Her family is made up of her, two uh, little people who are always dressed in tuxedos, one of whom wears a fright mask the entire time. Those are her brothers. Uh, then there there are some random people, like a guy who takes photographs of people getting murdered all the time. Who he is, we're not sure, but he's that always was kind a, of a mystery. All he's the way always the end, around. Right? Yeah, he's he, he's having fun. He's got a purpose. It's to take photographs of people getting murdered. Uh, and then the 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 matriarch and patriarch of the family are a woman who I think we are supposed to think is Ava Braun, who is also a werewolf, and the the grandfather who is also hitler and there's a scheme to take over the world but it's very unclear how that scheme works it's just there just go with it so so that's sort of our setup and then murder happens all of the band members get murdered by this crazy family uh through various means but before they all get murdered the bass player who's also the front man who's also in love with the teenage girl who had the prophetic warning, records a song that is basically the Necronomicon bringing us back to life zombie chant. But it's to like rock beat now. Yeah, it's music from a book. From an ancient book. The guys in the band don't know what that means, music from a book. Right, No, except for their bass player who's like, he's the, the smartest... He's the smart one in the group. He's the smartest one in the group, and apparently, we're. I think we're also supposed to think that he's like the sexiest one in the group well, too. He's the most bemulleted one in he's, the group. He's got a gigantic midnight black mullet that goes cascading down his back, and this most horrible mustache that I just wanted to shave off of his face the entire time. I don't like mustaches, guys. I'm sorry. Unless it's like Tom Selleck, and then that's like the mustache is wearing the man kind of situation. So I can get behind that sort of thing, but just not not like creepy sort of like adult hanging out at the mall picking up teenagers kind of mustache. We all know what we're talking about. I think we do. Okay, cool. So that's our first act. Rock band, everyone dies. Then the uh, unfortunate teenage girl, her name is Cassie. She was given a mixtape by the bass player before his untimely death. And so she goes to his gravesite, which is a, it, it, it's him and his bandmates, all of which are buried under about two inches of dirt, 
above ground and she plays the mixtape while she gives like a stirring eulogy about how much she loved the bass player and it was like a song about her, right? No, was, no, no, wait, no. That's a different song. Oh, okay. This is this is the I'm I'm raising you from the dead song, which has oh, all the Latin oh, right, and the, stuff. Right. Okay. The the one that came from the book. Right. The book. So the band is resurrected, and what do they do? Well, they go to their gig because they're supposed to be playing a show for a famous uh, record producer, and so they do as zombies. And while this is happening, there's a lot of business going on in the town. Does the business have any meaning or purpose? Maybe to whoever wrote the script, but basically all the townspeople are essentially community theater actors that have been given the prompt, zombies are coming, do something. Well, and this is a horror comedy. It's not funny at all. Well, but you but you have to realize that the people who are in this, who are padding out the film, are doing their best comedy shtick. Yes. Right. Which mostly involves accents. Bad, horrible, over-the-top accents and stereotypical acting, which is slightly, if not somewhat, racist. Yeah, I, I, just you a know. little racist. Sure, somewhat. Uh, there are also some, and this is just bad choices made by a movie screenplay writer type person. We have the character in quotation marks, Hitler. So, we need to make sure that we get that across in as many ways as possible. Let's put swastikas on things. Let's uh, have a basement gas chamber that you can use to make, like, horrible things happen. And I hate to say this, but it is Chekhov's smoking gas chamber. And crematorium. And crematorium. A phrase I never need to ever repeat past my lips again. But I probably will, because I have to explain the end of the movie. In a better movie, it would be offensive. In this movie, it's just... Cringy. Cringy. But also offensive. Yeah. I mean, both. if, if, if it's there's... both those things. If there's any way that you could take this movie that would be even remotely serious or even remotely as a comedy, it would be offensive. But it is so unserious and so unfunny. Well, it's, it's, it's a funny, it's, it's bad funny. It's, it's the kind of funny that makes me embarrassed to watch. It, well, that's the cringe part, right? Yeah, it's yeah. bad. Oh, it's bad. So, our zombies uh, get the record deal before the record producer becomes zombified himself. And then everything... Well, the record producer gets a lot of shtick, too. He, well, yeah, he does. He oh gets a lot God. of shtick. There's a lot of... It, look, they had 20 minutes of movie, and then they were like, we need to make a feature-length film out of this. And they didn't just like get it to like 80 minutes. They, I think, it was almost... Was it almost two hours long? Uh, I can look it up and see it how long I don't, it was. No, you know what? Don't do it. It's not worth it. But it, it, I it's mean, way long. It's, it's way, at least an hour and 45 minutes. It is way longer than it needed to be. And it was just like, what? Oh, fuck, what are we going to do? Let's do another music video with the zombies. So we, we go barreling towards our conclusion, which basically is that uh, in order to get rid of the zombies, they need to sacrifice a virgin. What's a virgin? It's, oh, it's God, comedy go. gold. It's a virgin. Wow, it's 98 minutes. Really? Yes. I thought it was like two hours easily. I thought it was at least an hour and 45, maybe on two hours. It feels it's like you, you feel like the movie's winding up and then I was, and then, and then, then like, I hit no, pause and it was another, like only halfway through. There's another like, hour. How yeah. in the world can it be? Yeah. No, it's only 98 minutes long. It's bad. Uh, but yes, yeah, so they, they need to sacrifice Cassie and she, of course, calls out to her zombie boyfriend who she apparently has fallen head over heels in love with and the zombies come and protect her and everything gets cleared up and she reburies the zombies and the 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 sound tech slash manager also survives this whole ordeal but doesn't the whole town get turned into zombies yes though? yeah it does yeah and then those are the people that wind up in the basement getting gassed and, and check out smoking gas chamber yes. right that's how they get rid of the zombies they right. lead them into well, the, except for the rock star zombies. Well, right. Are, well, no, but they—they're the ones who lead them in there. They're the Pied Pipers of zombies. Oh, remember? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I remember, I said like, why aren't they also dying? Because they were all just standing in the same room. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the uh, it, the zombie with well, the rock stars when they become zombies each have like 
eye makeup on one of their eyes. Right. So it's sort of like kiss makeup, but only on one of their eyes. And they also get to do a couple of songs, I think, while they're zombies. Oh, right? they do like four songs as zombies. It's, I think and, you might and, just be hallucinating that it's no, four songs because it's like, it well, seems keep, so like so many songs. They keep cutting in between the zombies doing their like rock, you know, audition mm-hmm. and the townspeople doing like shtick. Right. Right? Because yeah. it's like... Well, they have like a town meeting or is it... Uh, what are they arguing? Town session or a town meeting? Town or session. Or it's an emergency meeting or an emergency it, session. Right. Because that's and an then, important thing to know. Right. We well, take, it's, that's part of the comedy. That's, right. As we're all rolling in the aisle. I kept saying to Megan, is this the part where I laugh? It's is not. Is this the part where I'm it's supposed not. to laugh? And also like the murder girl is like dancing in the middle of the street. They're, like it's like, a, it's like a weird mutant monkeys video. It's Tony I kept Katane. singing monkeys songs while she they were is, doing the music video. She's zombie Tawny Kitane. There's not a car hood for her to like dance around on top of. There's just a street. And the the best thing is like the zombies are having their rock audition and then they cut to the blonde who has she's the one who lured them into, you know, her house of horror, right? With all of like Hitler and everything. Uh she becomes zombie Tawny Kitane and her place that she dances is in the middle of the highway. There's no cars, it's just her. And she's just doing her thing. She's doing fan kicks. She's doing like all kinds of sexy 80s rock video dancing. But there's nothing nearby her. There's no one around. The rock band isn't even there. They are somewhere else doing their audition. But the music plays over and they just cut to her dancing by herself. It's great. Yeah, it's, you know, David Lynch might have done a better job with this one. It is a little Twin Peaks-esque. It's a little like, yeah, it's like a little bit like Fire Walk With Me when that weird woman steps off the plane and does a strange dance and David Lynch is like, she has a sour face. And that means that he has like all of these things that he... This this movie would have been vastly improved if David Lynch just wandered on to set and just was just David Lynch. Right. Just commenting Or, or John Waters, I think, could have also done something with this. I, I mean, don't know. I, f- I feel like John Waters' movies are more funny. Well, yeah, this wasn't perverted enough for John Waters. Well, there's at least things to laugh at in John Waters' movies. Yeah, I guess. There's nothing to laugh at in this, yeah. except for the fact of how bad it is. Well, there's there's a little bit of gratuitous nudity, but not enough to make it interesting. Just just uh, zombie Tony Katane. She's really the only one that gets naked. Yeah. Well, yeah, and only like very briefly. In a shower. Get, yeah. They do. No, you see her at the beginning in, in uh, when she's drowning guys. Either oh. she's mur- she's blood bloodening them underwater or something. She's drowning them and instantly, like as soon as they quote unquote drown, like a entire blood bags worth of red blood comes to the surface of the water. So apparently- there was no ass night. There's oh, no, she did have a knife, though. She, she did, did. She had a secret knife. She did have a secret knife, but she did not keep it in her ass. No, no, it did not. Mm-mm. Yeah, dangerous men. That's the uh, the origination of the ass knife. The ass knife. Yes, indeed. Um, so, so hard rock zombies. I mean, I could see this one being a good like first movie at B Fest kickoff movie because they're. It's a good one to have on, so you can sort of talk at it, but you don't really need to pay attention to it. Yeah, early on at B-Fest, well, like the first movie, people are still kind of filtering in. Exactly. If you don't get there early, though, you're not going to get to stake out some choice seats where you're going to be able to sleep. So you want to get there early, really. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of us would get there early and wait in line so that we could get some choice seats. But there are still some people filtering in when the first movie starts. And for the first couple of movies... Everybody in the audience is yelling at the screen and riffing the movies because everybody thinks that they're like mystery science theater level of funny, myself included. Mm -hmm. And it's only after like the first three movies that that sort of dies down. Right. So this one, you you wouldn't have been able to hear much of the dialogue at all because everybody in the theater would have been screaming. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that you'd miss much. Right. I was just about to say, you would not miss much and also... Even without a bunch of people yelling at the screen, Eric and I had a very difficult time understanding a lot of the actors saying things just in general, because either they were trying to do a ridiculous accent to be funny, or they were just mumbling. There's so much mumbling. There's so much mumble acting that's serious acting today. Sure. That it's hard to, like, 
differentiate between mumbling and mumble acting and stuff but this was just mumbling and poor recording and it reminds me a lot of uh i think quality wise it's it's better but it reminds me a little bit of this movie that i inflict on people occasionally like if i really if i feel like they really need to to see something just awful uh there's a group here in chicago called the annoyance theater and they made a trauma film called fatty drives the bus Ah! yeah it's bad it is a very bad movie but one of the things about that movie is it is entirely improvised i mean the the beats of the movie i believe were no the beats of the movie were were set but like they didn't have a script they are an improv theater they're an improv group so they took the name annoyance very seriously when they made that well because that was that movie is is high annoyance that's one of the one of the worst movies i've ever had to sit through is fatty drives the bus yes it is and that's why i i i pluck it out and i inflict it on people when i'm pretty sure you can find it on youtube i'm pretty sure it's oh i'm sure when we did our uh our our 24 hour we did a our our own 24 hour v fest uh that was one of the yeah that was one of the the films that we had on there you can still find the playlist on our youtube uh page if yeah if you are interested he drives the buses on there unless the link's broken i don't know how many of those links are broken at this point because it's from several years ago but if if you know if you feel like you need to hurt yourself but so my point was though is that the acting level in this film hard rock zombies is akin to watching fatty drives the bus i concur yeah 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 this is i i i would i would sort of maybe recommend this one as a a bad movie oh yeah i think i mean it is a bad movie it's kind of interesting to know a little bit about the production behind it because all the songs were written by a guy named paul sabu who's the son of a very famous Indian actor, Sabu. Sabu. Right, yeah. uh, and Paul Sabu was, he not only did a lot of music for film and TV, but he also, he also co-wrote or wrote a bunch of songs for a lot of bigger pop stars. Um, if you look him up on Wikipedia, he, there's a whole long list of people that he had collaborated with. I mean, including like big names like Madonna and David right, Bowie and stuff right. like that. So, I mean, he actually was a legitimate music guy. And the music in this is bad, but no worse than most hair metal from the 80s. I mean, this was 84. I wish I could remember the name of the keyboard that that one guy was playing. A Kru- Kruger? C-R-U-G-A-R, I believe, is what it was. Was it? Yeah. Uh, Well, uh, whatever it was, it was a really cool keyboard. uh, (laughs) Eric had fun identifying all of the band's uh, uh, equipment. Oh, yeah. The bass player had this really cool, like, uh, uh, camouflage, sort of like, kind of like explorer shape guitar, bass. And then he played a, a Gibson Ripper bass the rest of the film and i and the guitar player had a a a les paul um i i think it was like a sunburst les paul but you know high quality guitar some of the amps were weirdly questionable and and strange and there were a lot of there was a lot of cables there was there was uh, like uh, some electrocution i think that happened as a result of uh of equipment poor, uh, poor equipment, equipment maintenance yeah it, yeah poor maintenance um but yeah that yeah it's uh i mean i i could recommend it yeah i don't I, look i i've seen plenty of movies at b-fest this one is not painful it's not even close to the top 10 of bad that they've no, had there absolutely not. garbage pale kids andy hardy whatever that one was yeah with I, the opera like, singer oh my god it was so bad uh, yeah not yeah, good yeah uh, anyway so our second feature is uh one called wonder women from 1973 it stars ross hagan as a he's a well, he's an insurance company detective he had a he had one point worked for the cia yes but now i think he's working for lloyd's of london right yeah okay yeah so he's like he's like a freelance investigator for lloyd's of london so at the beginning you see like all this crime happen there's like a a gang of sexy girls and they all have guns with tranquilizer needles and first they shoot a bunch of topless ladies at a swimming pool for reasons we don't get that no but then they shoot a bunch of male athletes there's a basketball player there's a high lie player there's a uh (laughs) horse golf player (laughs) otherwise known as polo. polo right 
uh was there another athlete i don't I can't think remember. so i think it was just those three and right. it was such a weird combination because like when i think of like a like a high power you know athlete type of guy like the basketball player i was like okay basketball yeah of course like that's that's a that's a sport yeah, I mean, it's, it's like intro section. I mean, it's not like the the intro action section of a James Bond movie, but it is that kind of intro section where you have like this mysterious organization is taking these people uh, for hostage reasons. or prisoner for some right. mysterious reason. And it's like one after the other, all these athletes are, are doing this. And then it turns out that like the the high lie player was his his high lie arm or something was insured at Lloyd's of London for half a million pounds or something something like along that. those lines which is why it became an insurance matter yeah so there's uh, Ross Hagen who plays a guy named Mike Harbor ah uh, yes Mike yes it's not David Harbor it's Mike Harbor and right. it's spelled H A R B E R so don't get any crazy ideas it's not like a ship in the harbor no it's like a harbor got it and so he's he is he takes a plane to manila mm-hmm. and he uh he gets in a a, a little uh a taxi like uh it's like, kind of like a little jeep it's more it's not like a tuk-tuk it's like an actual car kind of but it's driven by uh a very enthusiastic man named lapu lapu Right, right, yeah, not Pula Pula. No, La Pula Pula. Yeah, Vic Diaz is the name of the actor who plays La Pula Pula. La Pula Pula. Yes, and so he's like our man in Singapore. What? It's not Singapore. It's uh, it's uh, the Philippines. Yeah, Yeah. and um, so he takes Ross Hagen to his uh, luxury motel room, and uh, uh, Ross Hagen gets in there, and he meets up with the insurance agent of Lloyd's of London. Sure. And Lloyd's of London guy says, hey, we lost this guy. He's a highlight player. We want you to go find him. And Ross Hagen's like, fuck you. I'm out of here. And well, he says, well, what if we give you some money? And he says, fuck you, too. And then he says, how about if we give you more money? And then it goes back and forth and back and forth. And he's like, okay, fine. Well, the other part of that deal is like the guy took his passport. All right, he's got yeah. So he needed his passport. He needed his passport back too, which is I could understand why he was a little annoyed about that. Yeah, and that's fair enough. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, uh, so, so this is this is the setup for the the whole thing. So now he has to go out and do some detective work, and like. And he does. He does detecting. He does detecting. He finds out that there's a guy that you need to talk to named Wonton Charlie. Right. Yeah. He goes he, he goes somewhere and then there's like this American expat who is like a draft dodger who's pretending to be blind and Ross Hagen starts bribing him with money and saying, Hey, what happened? Oh, I saw uh, some mysterious lady take away a uh, coffin for in in uh, a mysterious hearse that said Seaside Rendezvous or whatever Chapel. Seaside Chapel. And Ross Hagen's like, "Well, where's Seaside Seaside Chapel?" And he's like, "Oh well, my I goodness, don't know. that's Ro- that was Ross Hagen." Yeah, he, he just he had, came, a, he just he, he had right a voice in. like this, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I don't know. Yeah, he had a voice like this. I don't know. He's mostly just sweaty and gross. Everyone in this movie is sweaty because they well, clearly they're in Manila. They clearly filmed it in manila and i'm betting that those those locations slash sound stages did not have any kind of like yeah there was even a voiceover at one point when they were driving away and ross higgins like why is it so hot here and, well, and, and Lapu Lapu's like, it's not hot. And, and yeah, yeah. And Ross Hagen's wearing, going shirtless in a leisure suit, Ugh. like a like a powder blue leisure suit. Or something. It's it's awful. The po- the polyester must have just made just sweat pools on everyone. Oh, and if they're not time. wearing polyester, they're wearing like clear plastic stuff because the because the, of the surgery. evil surgeon lady. Okay, yes. so we'll get to her in a minute. In a minute, there's yes. an evil surgeon lady. Uh, so so he goes to find uh, uh, Wonton Charlie. Yes, he goes to find Wonton Charlie in a cemetery. Something. So that's what you do, right? That's how you yeah, meet up with the, people. The, the blind the expat guys. Like, you got to go talk to Wonton Charlie. He's in the city of the dead. He's in the city of the dead. Go it's, check it out. It's just a man. Graveyard. Just a graveyard, though. Right. And so he goes to talk to Wonton Charlie, and Wonton Charlie says, "No, you need to go to the cockpits." And uh, he's like, the cockpits? And it's like, no, it's cockfighting. Oh, like, okay, yeah. So Ross Hagen's on his way out of there when he gets uh, jumped by a bunch of evil gang members working for Wonton Charlie. 
who are also working for the mysterious madam whoever surgeon person yeah surgeon person we'll get to her madam sue yeah dr sue dr sue right. gong plays here Bong. every time yeah she's the she's one asian, asian and so yeah. they every time she gets a fucking gong entrance and it's yeah. like god damn it racist yeah yeah well, uh, so so there's a the chase sequence, and uh, he mur- he, uh, you know Ross murders a bunch of people. Yep. with his tiny little sawed-off shotgun. Oh yeah, that's his gun of choice. It's a sawed-off shotgun, which you can shoot, but then you got to immediately reload. And uh, where were all the fucking shotgun shells that he had? Oh, they were like they were like an inside pocket of his leisure suit because we saw him reloading. That's a lot. Later that's on. a lot to have to carry around in your leisure suit. Yeah, I don't know where he pulled that gun out of either because that leisure suit was pretty tight. Mm-hmm. Well, you know where and, he pulled it from. Uh, I guess maybe it was an ass gun. Who knows? <laughs> oh, it, oh, it could have been tucked uh, tucked behind him there. That would mean he had a lot of cake. <laughs> Because that's a big gun. Yeah, well, you, you know. can't you can't hide a gun like that if you got a flat ass. No, no, you really, you know, but uh, you know, he he did have a leisure suit jacket, so it could, you know, it might have been sticking up high out of his waistband, but you wouldn't see because the leisure suit. It doesn't. It's not important. I'm I'm sticking by my. He got a lot of cake. Yeah. So they they go to the uh, uh, cockfights where a lot where of we, am, animals are harmed. Every animal in this movie has been harmed. All of them. There are so many birds and chickens and shit that get harmed in this movie. Yeah. And and in so, fact there's like, a cutscene where a small child with a slingshot just just kills a bird that's just sitting on a wire. Yeah. For reasons. Yeah. Just bird murder. Bird murder. And um they talked to some guy. They uh, they talked to Wonton. No, oh, Wonton Charlie was at the the. No, it's just Lapu Lapu, and yeah. they went to go to the cockpits based right. on Wonton Charlie's right. instructions. And they talked to a guy, and he says, "Oh well, the there's a isle of a, a secret island of women where they take this, and uh, uh, you can't." You got to go there by boat, and it's in shark-infested waters. And then, like that guy gets killed. Meanwhile, at the island with shark-infested waters, we see a. a Nancy Kwan, and she is working out a deal with Sid Haig and a guy in very bad old age makeup. Yes, very and, bad. Uh, she runs a renegade uh, surgery place. Surgery place with an all girl army. She does transplants of organs, right? And she's going to do a brain transplant. She's she's taking money from this old guy with bad old age makeup in a wheelchair. And she's going to take his money and put his brain into the body of the High Lie player. Who we never get a name for. He's just High Lie guy. That High Lie player. That top ranked High Lie player. They never, they could just give him a name and then just establish it. And then we'd be like, yes, David is the High Lie player. We got it. Right. Apparently, you know, like it didn't work out with the basketball player and with the polo guy. The polo guy gets his eyes removed for some reason. For uh, reasons. It's like the, the basketball player gets his brain removed he's or maybe just, he's got like a clear dome on his head he's made into a frankenstein monster basically yeah, those are all of her her, her failed experiments well, no she also has the woman who she put the the monkey brain in oh right yeah the, who's a, a monkey in a woman's body then yeah and then there's one other guy yeah there's like a guy who's just real angry right yeah there's yeah the angry yeah there's he's an just angry he's guy. just super angry guy right so but but uh, uh, so Nancy Kwan has got this army of uh, sexy ladies that do her bidding and she gets her chief sexy lady, the redheaded sexy lady to she's going to go take down Ross Hagen. Right. 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 And there is discussion when her assignment is given to her about whether or not she can use physical sex because Dr. Sue, a.k.a. Nancy Kwan, uh, she's all about brain sex. Yeah, and she's like, physical sex is bad because then you catch feelings. But if you do brain sex, you won't. Yeah. And the other, all the ladies there are like, well, we like physical sex. And Nancy Kwan's like, you are wrong. You are wrong. You will, you will learn to love brain sex when I'm finished with you. Yes. And, uh, you know, then they break up that meeting. And so uh, the dangerous redheaded uh, assassin lady who works for Nancy Kwan, one of the, one of the wonder women. Yeah, she's I, a wonder, I, wonder women. Yeah. She was one of the women that, that kidnapped those guys at the beginning of the show. Right. Because right? she's like, she's like squad leader. Yeah, she is. And she 
just like hanging out at the hotel bar and uh, Ross Higgins get like a couple of drinks there. He brings it over to her and she says, hey, baby, you got some long legs. Well, and one and of she's the, like, thank you. One of the drinks was just like on the table. Like he ordered a drink for himself and then there was an extra drink. But he was meeting with the Lloyds of London guy. Yeah, I and, think like, it was Lloyd's, Lloyd's of London's drink. Drink, right. right. And he's like, I'll just take this drink. Yeah. I was drinking he's that. Like, Not anymore. Get I'm gonna, lost, Lloyd's of I'm London. I'm going to give it to this lady. Here's a used drink, hot redheaded woman. Drink it. Yeah. And she's Gross. Like, you got long legs. Oh, thank That's you. That's how you get roofied. And he's like, I don't like long legs. They get in the way. Like, ew. Okay. So you would prefer that she has no legs? Yeah, short legs. Short legs? You want her to be like normal sized woman on the top and then just like half half size legs on the bottom? Yeah, I guess they get in the way of... Or you the, just want one leg? Yeah, I don't know. Ross Hagen is kind of a weird dude. He's supposed to be like this irresistible James Bond he type. He is not. He's a sweaty guy with Ugh. like weird sunglasses and a terrible haircut. Everything about him looks like like orange and yellow yeah, it's yeah. all he's all the wrong colors yeah he's he's and weirdly he's clammy and he's yeah, sweaty and he's he looks and, and oily he looks like the personification of ball sweat yeah yeah that's probably what he smells that's probably like yeah. what he smells like His after being sweat. in that like polyester horror show the whole time right so. running around so, like, she can't resist those kind of pickup lines. Yeah. He, like, whispers something in her ear, and she's like, oh, yeah, well, let's let's work that out. So they do. And so they do. And then you see them, you see him waking up the next day, like, you know, post-sex, the next day, Ross Hagen kind of coming out of sleep, you know, and he's rubbing the sleep out of his eyes, and he's all sweaty and greasy and his gray he's little- He's, like, sex drunk. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's real, like this, it's, it's, ugh, it's, it's not yeah, what I want to see, Sweaty movie. little motel sheets and stuff. And he's so, still wearing the pants from his leisure suit, too. I'm sure for modesty's purposes for the film, but, yeah. uh, you did know- Did he take him off before and then did, just- uh, Did just he take like him off at a hall? Yeah. No, uh, he left them on. No, he, he left, left them on. on and, uh, then, and then they, they had sex, and then he I just- I didn't think about that. He didn't wash off or anything. Ugh, he just like no packed his junk back into those God, those polyester in, just pants. Just make him go in the shower fully clothed. Just do it. Yeah. I don't want to see it anymore. Well, yeah, and so uh, the the redheaded lady is there. She's like uh, she's getting dressed. She's put. I guess she's 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 wearing uh, like uh, like 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 a brown panties, and then she's putting on like a. She's got a dress. Is that a dress? Yeah. It looked almost like a nightgown. Well, okay. So one thing that you need to understand, everybody, is that all of the women in this movie look like they have forgotten to wear pants. Yeah, it's all mini, mini, mini dresses. Yeah, it's so it basically tunics. looks like they're yes, it looks like they're wearing a long shirt that and just no covers yeah. their ass, like right. just like if they sneezed or bent in the wrong direction, it just it, like you would see their ass knife because it would mm-hmm. just be it would be right out there on display. Yeah. Well, I, fortunately, uh, they I think they were wearing underwear. Most of them were. In yes. any case, so she's she puts on this dress, and Ross Hagen's like, hey, you want to go again? And she's like, no. And she pulls out a gun and shoots him. But he deflects the bullet with a pillow. That's that's science. Because that, that's, that's, well, that's she's how got like a, like a twenty two caliber handgun with, with a, a silencer, silencer. sure. Mm-hmm. And she's like, and, and, he, and like feathers go flying. And then he, they proceed to get into like a karate fight in his hotel room. Except karate is if learned by someone who had never seen it before, but had had it described to them badly. Yeah, there's like some awkward kicking and some like posing and posturing and stuff. And it looks like she's raising her hand to ask a question. Yeah, it looks like she's doing some sort of weird sort of like Reiki work or something. Like Either that tai or like, chi or- imagine Anne Margaret doing a dance interpretation of a karate fight. Oh, that's, yeah. That's kind of what it is. Yeah, she's no Anne Margaret, though. No, no, no. It's just imagine that. Imagine... So a redheaded woman doing things wiggling, with her hands. Wiggling around a lot and jump jumping enthusiastically. Yeah. Well, she she isn't... They they kind of fight to a draw. Uh, she, like, uh, like pins him down under something, and then she runs out. Yeah. She runs out. She runs away. She runs away, and then Ross Hagen takes chase. And then the next 20 minutes of the movie are a chase scene. It's so much chase scene. Now, I want to, I want to give the movie a bit of credit. The movie enthusiastically embraces the music stylings of the mid to late 70s. 
it's all funk. It's all nonstop action funk. So yeah, it's excellent. It's and the, the music is great, but like twenty minutes of this chase scene in my head, I was like, the band must be exhausted because they have been playing <laughs> action movie seventies funk music nonstop for twenty minutes straight. Like these fuckers need a break. They need a coffee and a cigarette. Let them have their cigarette, everyone. Well, they were really proud of that chase scene because it oh ran for forever. So long. Now, I will also give them credit for filming a really great chase scene. Oh, yes. It's a very good chase scene. Uh, I would even say a great chase scene. It's just that the stakes are sort of in not question. Ex- not existent. And, ni- well, I guess uh, uh, the red-haired girl it finally winds up in uh, driving the her own little getaway bus. Well, yeah, because she karate chops that dude very lightly on the head, and he right. falls down. Yeah, and then uh, then they run over a lot of people, and a lot of a lot of animals are hurt. Oh my god, everyone! I am pretty sure that like at least seventy five percent of this chase scene, no one involved in the filming of this movie told anyone in the location that they were in that a chase scene was happening. Like, I think they were just like, just run through the crowd. And the actors were like, are you I'm, sure? I'm sure. Just run it, through the crowd. It had to be because there would have had to be 200 extras in this. So many extras. Yeah. I mean, these are crowded streets. This is like a market with, yes. in Manila. Yes. These and are crowded streets filled with people and They are vehicles. hitting people with cars and they are pushing people out of the way. And there is no way that those people knew what was going on. Yeah. So the chase proceeds on foot for like ever, ever. And then there's a motor chase vehicle thing forever forever and then uh finally uh, uh she crashes into a, like a retention pond or something and and ross hagen fishes her out and says okay uh, come with me lady right and so he puts her in the shower and like <laughs> and then he's like then the next scene he's like you've been in there an hour like so come on tell me something and he puts a gun in her face so it's like it's like chinese shower torture it's not water torture she's just laying in the bath she's not shivering in cold no, water it's anything. like they just put the it's hot water manila, on it's so fucking hot there i mean I if they bet. put cold water it'd be pretty cooling i bet she was like god thank god i just ran for 20 minutes straight now i get to like take a bath yeah and so yeah. Ross I mean, in my clothes like, but still tell us how to get to the island of women and so mm-hmm. she's like well Fine. i can take you there but you'll never survive and he's like wow well, we'll see about that yeah. so they they go to the island of women and uh, she escapes uh, the, almost immediately yeah she's like she's like you you're never gonna survive in here and he's like yeah sure and he turns around to talk to paku paku <laughs> lapu 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 and uh he says like hey check her out she doesn't think that i can fight you know I, that that i'm gonna survive here and he turns around she's gone yep and and lapu lapu's like you better keep your eye on her because she's a slippery one right anyway so he chases her through the jungle and more chasing more chasing in the jungle and but then the the girl army gets the drop on him and then takes him uh prisoner takes him him prisoner yeah where he is subjected to brain sex yeah they take her take him back to like madam wong's uh uh, house of surgery dr sue dr sue's house of surgery and she you know she's like the classic bond villain oh mr hagen i will explain to you everything i'm doing here before i use your body for my own purposes right Mm -hmm. maybe he'd be worth five hundred thousand dollars his body (laughs) to which sid hag is like i don't think that's the case I think you're really, uh, you're, that's, that's yeah, a real a, high figure for yeah, that her, body. Yeah, she's like, well, maybe three or four hundred thousand. Sid Haig's like, yeah, if he was a little younger, you know, maybe. So we did not mention, that, okay, so Sid Haig is like her kind of like BFF minion boss guy. He's the negotiator. He finds clients for her. Yes, and he looks like... He <laughs> basically looks like Austin Powers from the first Austin Power movie with like the roughly white shirt and the tight jacket. Yeah. And he actually has... Sid Haig actually has hair in this, which I'm always surprised yeah. by because... Well, he's got quite a big bald spot in the back. But yeah, I mean, it's going. Still, yeah. It's going, but you know... He's, he's got a big mustache. Just big old mustache. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like goatee, I think, isn't it? Is it? I, well, it's at least a big mustache. I'm not sure. I didn't clock his facial hair completely with that but but that's that's the look we've got here and he his name is gregarious mr gregarious which is delightful uh, every, gregorious 
I thought it was gregarious. No, he was gregarious, but oh. his name is Gregorius. All right, well, fuck it. And it's not as great. Yeah. I, I take it all back. I hate it. I hate him now. <laughs> I hate everything. No, but he's the best thing in this movie because he's just like, oh, is shit going down? I'm going to leave now. Bye. Right. But Dr. Sue, before she's going to sacrifice Ross Hagen's body, Dr. Sue decides to have brain sex with him. So which involves putting like a metal headband on and they both like recline into some lounge chairs and you get to see Ross Hagen's O face. Oh, my God. He's just so into it. It's really I mean, he's like he's like like he's bouncing his hips around and he's like fascinating moaning and groaning and she's like she's just like laying there she's like okay brain sex oh i'm gonna like recline a little bit i'm gonna get comfy brain sex is happening mm-hmm. she gets kind of like a weird look on her face but like the actress has made a choice not to writhe around like someone shoved you know i don't know <laughs> things an electric eel down his pants there we go right. yeah continue that statement for me so my brain shut off from all the brain sex that's it, it just went and it's done yeah yeah it was it was pretty hilarious but also pretty gross but i mean it was more hilarious than gross no you didn't see anything untoward it's just like nobody wanted to see sweaty ross hagan's old face just ever. rolling just around in that pink just, plastic chair yeah Ugh. well and so like then like for the like the final for the third act it's like uh, the redheaded lady goon the the one that he had up in the hotel room that kicked his ass uh she breaks him out because uh, she doesn't want to work for uh, Dr. Well, Sue anymore. It's because she has been deemed unworthy and is going to be uh, dissected. Oh, that's right. For the the right. or- organ a, harvesting. She had a couple chances to bring him in and she failed both times. And so right. she was going to be harvested for organs. Right. But yeah, so she's on his side now. And then one of the other lady goons, like the, the blonde haired goon who was one of like the blonde haired goons. One of the blonde haired goons who was like, uh, uh, red-haired lady goons uh, uh, nemesis nemesis enemy they both decide to team up because they don't want to work for dr sue anymore and they're both so into ross hagan's body Ugh. that they like need to escape with him so they like escape with him does does a red-haired lady does she get killed because at the end you get to see ross hagan with some random blonde like making out with her for well, a I while think that, i think that's the same blonde as the one that broke him out was it i think so it i, I you know i couldn't tell but lloyd's of london they get their money back yes they get the uh high lie guy they rescue him right uh uh dr sue disappears in a puff of smoke to reappear in the sequel wonder women 2 which did not happen thank goodness (laughs) i think and i think sid haig's character would have reappeared too because he just fucks off yeah sid haig disappears he's just like i'm out i'm out of this movie right bye and at at the very end of the movie like uh uh, lloyds of london comes back in and he's like hey i've got another job for you and ross hagan's like i'm busy for the next three to four weeks with this hot potato and you know that not to be confused like, with the movie hot potato which was in the b-fest lineup this year oh anyway uh, the movie ends and i remember seeing this like riff tracks did it and i i remember like disliking it a lot more like watching it without the riff tracks was i uh, you know i found this to be a really entertaining bad movie i, I thought it was really funny i had no idea half the time what was going on because it was it was stupid but I liked the fact that it was stupid. There was like the whole, uh, like the disco surgery unit. Oh yeah, the, like, the surgery, the 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 surgery. What do they call it? The operating room. Operating yeah, room. Yeah. The operating room had like disco lights in it, and everyone was wearing plastic raincoats instead of surgery scrubs. Right. Because yeah. that's. And then there was like the, the the there was like this really cool like brutalist like like headquarters where the where they you know where the lady the ladies they just all stood around with no pants on stood around with no pants on hands on hips guns slung across their shoulders Mm -hmm. i mean it looks like it was trying to be like some sort of like matt helm kind of like thing or you know like like uh, we were saying like uh, austin powers you know like the Mm -hmm. the fembots or something with you know and uh i you know i i enjoyed this i went do you remember when this one showed in the in the uh, this was sort of in the middle i think of the lineup i think it was like early morning saturday morning ah okay like usually what happens on b-fest is like after plan nine from outer space there's usually like one regular movie that's just super super bad 
and then they do like one or two like black exploitation or sex exploitation films kind of in the middle of the night and this i think probably would have would have slotted in somewhere after that i'm pretty sure it was like early morning well one thing about Beefest is that they lock the doors after midnight so anybody can leave but you can't get back in i think until nine o'clock on saturday morning when they open the doors again to the student center to the student center yeah the student center right. is what closes down not Beefest. well no Beefest keeps running but it's in the student center so uh, what a lot of people do is they stay for you know plan nine and throwing the paper plates and stuff and people who've been there multiple times and you know who, who've either come in from out of town or something and have a hotel nearby or like live nearby they fuck off and and leave you know for like the middle of the night to like early morning films yeah because that's usually like the time of the worst movies and uh, they're the hardest movies to get through a lot of people bring like air mattresses and blankets and stuff and sleep on the stage in front of the movie screen they also sleep out in the student center as well they sleep in the student center on couches they sleep in the in the chairs Mm -hmm. and but a lot of people leave and so, you know, if they if they had left and weren't and this was early in the morning, they would have missed out on this one. Probably. It's yeah. like uh, this it reminds me a little bit of Dr. Goldfoot in the Bikini Machine. Yes, I would say except instead of being shot in Italy, it was shot in the Philippines. Right. Right. And and uh, uh you know, then people come back on Saturday morning and, you know, and and the people who who fucked off the night before and got a, like a few good hours sleep, they're fresh and ready to go and watch all this stuff on Saturday. We would very often leave before the final movie on Saturday because we were like punchy and like, you know, our well, eyes lot- were red from lack of sleep. And a lot of times the movies towards the end of the lineup, they tend to be they, they tend to be bigger budget, like bigger budget flop movies or like kind of more popular B movies. Yeah. Oftentimes they're movies that we've seen before. Right. Which is what happened. Like Life Force. I remember one was like, that was like their last one, I think. No, no, no. Life Force was more in the middle of the, oh, okay. the night. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I don't recall. Oh, I was wrong. Wonder Woman actually would have been, it, w- it was on Friday. It was the fourth movie in the lineup. Oh, like the one right before midnight. No, Run Runaway is the oh. one that was right before midnight oh, and we, we also did that one we did an episode on runaway it was a couple months ago it stars tom Selleck. it's got robots and it has gene simmons in it as well gene simmons in, in a glorious role yeah the, so the ones that the ones that we had done previously we did runaway we've got an episode of that up you can listen to uh we did a we have a classic episode called a boy and his frog where we talked about a boy and his dog which was part of the lineup this year and also hell comes to Frogtown, which has been a selection at previous b-fests uh and then we have an uh, episode of the apple which is up you can listen to we have one of stunt rock which you can listen to we have one on arcade which that's the albert pune movie right that we right. did a couple months ago right with ralphie from a christmas story with ralphie from a christmas story and then the last one that they had in the lineup was tammy and the t-rex which we've also done an episode on yeah oh this is, that's a pretty good lineup though this year then yeah yeah I, I, especially like the beginnings and the ends because runaway is not a bad movie neither is the apple or I mean, arcade's not great. Well, they're all bad movies. They're all bad but movies, it's, but they're like fun bad movies, and then there's painful bad movies. Right. Like you know, Garbage Pail Kids is not fun. It's not funny. It's not fun. It's you know, uh, uh, you know what's the what's the movie Barry Gordy's? Uh, oh, uh, the Last Dragon. The Last Dragon was that show enough. That's a bad movie, great. but it's it's hilarious. That right? one we haven't done an episode on that, but maybe at some point we should because it's so good. Yeah, but uh, it's always a mixed bag there, and we we like B Fest, and we like the people who run B Fest, and we like running into people that we know at B-Fest. But, yeah. uh, and there are things that uh, that I miss about B-Fest that, that we just can't replicate by not going. Like, there's a guy who makes a mixtape, or, well, it's a mix CD now, but he makes a mix CD every year and he hands them out to everybody that comes. Right, right. Which is, it's cool. It's a nice souvenir. And, like, I, I do miss getting those. That's kind of... Right. And you get to talk to, like, uh, uh, Mitch O'Connell usually shows up there. Well, he's, yeah, he does the artwork for the posters every year. He's a famous year. tattoo artist and... Or a famous... Illustrator, I would illustrator say. Illustrator whose, whose art is reminiscent of a certain style of tattoos. And, uh, and we always end up running into people that we know... 
There's there. a lot of game. And, you know, and it's easy, easy place to make friends because it's like our people. Yeah. And, you know, even if you don't make close friends or become like friendly, it's like a, a really friendly environment because we're all there for the same reason. We all have a love of bad movies. So kind of, you know, it's kind of like everybody there's your friend a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's really nice. It's just, you know, you know and it's the middle of winter and uh, it's really tiring. And since we'd seen half of the movies anyway, right. we decided not to make it this year. But, you know, maybe we'll make it next year. Who knows? <laughs> Thanks for listening to Cinema Super Collider. You can find us online at anchor.fm, but you can also subscribe to our podcast via any of the major podcast networks, including the Apple Store, Spotify, and others. If you'd like to email us, you can reach us at cinemasupercast at gmail.com. Thanks, and we hope to see you again in the future. (laughs) 